Hey everyone, Will Simon here, Mississippi State beat writer for the Clarion Ledger, along with Antonio Morales, as always, our old Miss writer. So last week we said we were going to talk a whole lot about basketball, and what do you know? That's exactly what we are doing. Not exactly how we predicted it, though. Andy Kennedy announced Monday he is out, steps down as Ole Miss basketball coach. So now the Rebels are in search of a new face, a new leader of their program. So, Antonio, what was your reaction when when you when you hear when you learn that Andy Kennedy is no longer going to be the the head coach of this team? I, I, he's going to coach the remainder of the year, but beyond that, he is done in Oxford. So, what was your reaction? What do you think of it all? It's not a shock. I think the only element of surprise here is pretty much the timing. But the writing was on the wall the past month or two, just the way the team had performed. They had lost three non-conference games at home, all in overtime. They weren't playing well in SEC play. They had lost, I think it's seven of eight games now, I think five or six straight or something like that. Um, They've fallen below 500 for just the second time in Kennedy's 12 seasons. And this is coming in a make-or-break season, that that contract extension that they couldn't come to an agreement to last year. Um, only left him with three years left on his contract. So you kind of knew this was coming, um, and especially the way the team performed. It was just a matter of when would the conversation really, really start about his job. I think it was going to start this week. To be honest with you, just because they lost to LSU, who was four and seven in the SEC, just like they were, they lost to them by like seventeen on the road, and they looked really bad in doing that. And so I think the conversation was was going to start this week, but Andy Kennedy just got out in front of it. He said he didn't want the rest of the season to be about his job status. He didn't want to divide. He didn't want to divide the fans anymore and have them pick a side between whether he should stay or whether he should go. Um, So he got out in front of it. He called Ross Bjork on Sunday, told him he was ready to step down. And the school and and, Andy Kennedy and Ross Bjork, they announced it at a press conference on Monday. And uh, so there's about three or four weeks until – Ole Miss has about a three or four-week head start on its coaching search. And Andy Kennedy has about a three or four-week farewell tour coming up starting Tuesday at Arkansas. And he, and he goes back to Starkville one for one last time on Saturday, which should be pretty entertaining. On January 23rd, this team was 4-4 four and four in the SEC. <laughs> they had just beaten Alabama. And even though they won that game, and I'm looking at it from a very, very far, far away view, unlike you, but even though they won that game, I never really thought, okay, this team is back. They're, they're in the picture. I never really they, – they had a 500 record at that time, but there was never a point in this season where I thought, okay, this is a pretty, this is a pretty good team. There was never a point where they put it together consistently. Where everything was gelling for a sustained period of time. Yeah. They started the season, they started the season 3-0, and but they were down in like two or three of those games – um, they're down by double digits in like two of them. Um, so there was never a point where it was like, oh man, this team, you know, they're really good. There's flashes. And they played some good games. They played well against Florida. They played well against Alabama. That was their best game of the season. Um, they probably should have lost to Mississippi State, but Mississippi State kind of crumbled down the stretch of that one. Uh, 
Um, then the, the, the schedule got considerably tougher the past couple of weeks. And they lost five straight. Gosh, that's one of those games from Mississippi State, and there's a couple of them that just got away from the Bulldogs. <laughs> and <laughs> if you count those as the wins that they should have been, we're not looking at Mississippi State as what they're, what are they going to do? Are they going to be in the NCAA tournament? Or are they going to be in the NIT? Are they going to be out of both? Probably not, but they're in the tournament. If if they mm-hmm. if they do what if they took care of business the way that they were supposed to in a couple of those games, anyway, back to the Andy Kennedy chatter for now. What do you think of this job, <laughs> Ole Miss basketball? What do you think about it? Because I, the way I look at it is, can they do much better than Andy Kennedy? I know it, it ran its course and it was time, and all of that is true. So I guess yeah. I mean we'll. we'll I don't know. I mean, like, where, where's, where is this job? It's, it's. I think it's at the bottom, toward the bottom of the SEC, just because there's no history of attracting NBA talent. All like all those guys are at Mississippi State. You know, at Mississippi State gets those guys, those legacy kids. There's no like legacy kids at Ole Miss. Um, like that's why Mississippi State kind of cleans up in recruiting when it comes to the five stars and the four star prospects. Um, you know, there's no sustained period of success, like just consistent NCAA tournaments. There's a little stretch in the late 90s, early 2000s, where I think they made five tournaments in six years or something like that. I mean, Andy Kennedy only made two in 12 years. I, the pro, they, they want the program to compete every year for an NCAA tournament. I, don't, I personally don't think that's realistic just because how many teams in the conference really do that? Kentucky, Florida, and... That's it, pretty much. Um, so it's a tough job, and the expectations are rising. But Ole Miss needs to commit more resources to the job. Uh, the pavilion is obviously a boost. The Tui Center, the practice facility is really nice. Um, but still, the the assistant the assistant budget was low. Um, so is head coaching salary. So Ole Miss has, has to step up in that regard in, in terms of how committed they are to basketball. It's such a crapshoot, too, though, the where, where you turn to as far as NCAA coaching searches for, ba- for basketball because if you look at, like, the assistants, I always feel that men's basketball is so much tougher to pinpoint – the next guys in line who will you know, the next guys in line are there but like you just don't know how they're going to be as a head coach where and I don't I don't have the data in front of me now but I would strongly believe that the analytics also suggest that you're with football it's like you could you could look at the track records of some coordinators and you're like all right, this guy. This guy's going to be a good. This guy looks like he's going to be a good head coach. I just don't always get the impression with with the guy sitting a few feet from the head coach on the bench for men's basketball. I, I just don't see it all the time. You just and I don't think you do see it too often where it's mm-hmm. where it becomes a seamless transition from assistant coach to head coach. And I think it's yeah. more of a crapshoot than it is for coordinator to head coach. Even though that's crapshoot in itself 
Um, also, I just feel like it's it's much. The odds are more against you when it when it's in the basketball situation. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Ole Miss probably wants to hire some guy who's co- coaching a mid major who's had success as a head coach. Um, some proven success. I know people will throw out Kermit Davis at Middle Tennessee a lot. He's he's beaten Ole Miss the past two years by I think about twenty points each time. Um, there's guys like Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State. Uh, at East Tennessee, who's doing really well. Um, so you're right; it is a crapshoot. It's hard to tell how somebody's going to translate once they get to a higher level. Um, there's some good indicators, but yeah, like you said, it's a crapshoot. It's just so different, so much different. I mean, you have every, you're in charge of everything from booster, from dealing with boosters to dealing with the media to recruiting to the X's and O's, of course. There's just so much to it. And so there, then there are so many traits that go overlooked that are so obvious in hindsight. But fit is such a big deal when it comes to these jobs. And I just never got the impression that Andy Kennedy was a perfect fit in Oxford. And I could be wrong because I don't live in Oxford. Um, and, and you do and I'm probably not the best person to suggest a remark like that. But I just always got the impression that he just reminded me of somebody like – he reminded me of a Mississippi State coach. Sort of exactly. like that grinder <laughs> approach, the the developer of talent sort of thing. I just always got the vibe that this Louisville guy was – the, the prototypical Mississippi State coach and just didn't have that old Miss vibe to me. And I'm not trying to say one is better than the other by any means. It's just different cultures, I think. That's probably, that's probably a, a, a bit of a reason why he wasn't like truly accepted at Ole Miss. You know, just ever truly like beloved by the fans like Hugh Freeze was. Um, even though Andy Kennedy won the SEC tournament, he never he never had a, a real losing season until this year. He had the uh, he had the, the taxi cab incident, which obviously didn't didn't gain him a, a bunch of uh, fans. Um, I think that was in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, around there. Um, but yeah, when you say when you talk about the fit, you know his personality isn't what you see typically at Ole Miss. So who who would be a good fit? And I know that neither of us probably have great relationships with a, a potential list of candidates for this job. But anybody to come to mind that you think, all right, this guy would be, from what you've heard, from what you've read, from what you've been told, that this guy would be a better fit? I think Steve Forbes would be a good fit just because of the success he's had at East Tennessee State. Obviously, he has some NCAA stuff in his past. Uh, I think he had a one-year show cause one year show cause while he was at Tennessee uh, East uh, while he was at Tennessee. Excuse me. So he'll fit right uh, in. You're trying to say. <laughs> um, I know on the hot board there's we have Eric Musselman on there, but Eric Musselman has Nevada in like the top twenty five right now. I'm sure he could probably get a job that's that's better than Ole Miss um, if the right one comes open. Um, Obviously, Kermit Davis at Middle Tennessee. The thing, the thing is, I don't know how he, how he would recruit at Ole Miss um, because it's gonna be competitive in Mississippi with a guy like Ben Hallen, who's consistently getting really, really good recruits. Um, 
so I think he, he's I think he's a really good coach. Um, but like people have said, he's almost sixty, and they don't know how he how he would be as a recruiter. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which which direction Ross Bjork goes. Um, Ross Ross Bjork has had in his career there's he's had two pretty significant hires in his time at Western Kentucky. He hired Ray Harper, who was the interim coach. Um, he had the interim basketball coach uh, after a midseason change, um, and then the football coach. The football search this past year, he obviously hired Matt Luke, who was the interim coach. Um, so there's no interim for him to kind of go to this year. So it seems like it has to be a hire outside of, outside of the Ole Miss family. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds and what direction he goes in. What's your t- like? Do you think they should go young, young with this job? Because if you're saying and NCAA, I mean, you look across the country and, and your highly successful coaches have been here for a while. That's just the way it is. So it, it's not necessarily a young man's game. The in NCAA men's basketball coaching, Coach K, Williams, uh, Cal Perry, the list goes on and on. So you don't need a young up and comer, but is that? Is that the right direction for Ole Miss? I'm sure they'd want somebody with a bit more of experience. This is this is an SEC job. It's still a Power Five. Con- it's it's still a Power Five conference job. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure they'd want to skew like a little bit young, just to have a guy with energy in there, but not too young where the guy's you know still wet behind the ears. Yeah, I don't think they'd go with somebody you know under the age of forty probably, but yeah. Man, I'm just trying to think of some some like really good assistants out there because your your better assistants. I think the guy from Duke, um, his name is escaping me right now. John Shire. Yes, I, I think he's in his 30s. Is he not? Yeah, yeah. He was he was on the national championship team like eight years ago. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, <he's definitely> young. <laughs> so I, I think he has to be what 30, 31 years old, something like that. Around there, probably. And that's probably your top assistant in the game in basketball right now. Maybe. So that's one direction I think they they could go, and Duke guys always end up with a job. I think the guy at Florida is a pretty good coach too, uh, Nichols. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they want to go that route, I don't know where his job is at, but he's another guy in his in his uh early 30s so I don't know I, I think if you're going to go the assistant coach route you you obviously are going to take somebody younger in age naturally a so, lot of jokes out there about, about Rick Stansberry that'd be something yeah I don't think that one's happening <laughs> you know, I really don't <laughs> you know I'm just I don't, I don't know how much I would bet on that not happening but I would, I would bet a lot of money on that not happening you but, are a betting man Man, you know one name, and I told you this over the phone before we got before we started recording. I was asking a couple of people for like one out of the box name, just so that I could throw it out on this podcast. And I think that's that was one of my messages too to to one of the persons I reached out to. I said, just give me one out of the box name that you know makes a little bit of sense, but I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> and who and what was the name that I gave you? Penny Hardaway. Yeah. Penny Hardaway. Why not? He's in Why Memphis. not? 
Memphis guy right now, at least. Not too far away. He probably wants to get into some higher stakes basketball. Memphis SEC is on, SEC is on the rise, man. <laughs> Memphis is probably be open too after after this season. Um, so Ole Miss will, will have some will likely have some nearby competition. I don't know anything about Penny Hardaway's personality, but I just feel like <laughs> you're replacing a big personality, even though it probably wasn't the right fit. But you also need a big personality to thrive, I, I feel like, with, with recruiting in basketball. And just in the SEC, if you look around, guys who are having just pretty solid seasons or, I don't know, like you have Martin at Missouri. You know who he is. You know what he's about. You know a little bit about his personality, even if you're not even a fan of Missouri basketball. You know him. You know, there's Frank Martin in South Carolina. There's Avery Johnson, Bruce Pearl. Like, you know these guys. So, uh, I, I just feel like it's not a direct relation to success, of course, but I think it would help. It would definitely help Ole Miss to have a guy like that who has some sort of presence to him. And that's the way I think that's just the, that's just the way you recruit. I think that's the way you, you get a leg up right away without having to, before you're able to prove yourself with wins and losses. Mm hmm. Oh uh, yeah, I think I think that kind of I just think the way the SEC has improved kind of played a played a factor and uh, Ole Miss didn't ultimately make this call, but it, I think if they if they would have made the call in any Kennedy, I think that would have played a factor. Just the way those personalities are and the way they've improved the the perception of the SEC and the SEC the league as a whole. Um, there was probably some fear Andy Kennedy was getting left behind. Um, just the way they weren't making tournaments. Ole Miss wasn't making the NCAA tournament on a regular basis when the league was bad and average. Now the league's really good, and they're a game out of last place. Um, so Ole Miss needs to kind of keep keep up with the Joneses here. That's a good point. So I hope they hire Penny Hardaway. If for nothing else, to have a <laughs> Penny Hardaway doll night at the at the pavilion. That'd be cool. I'd go to that. Good. I'd go Maybe. to that one. Do you think and Kennedy beats Mississippi State in Starkville on his uh in his last game as Ole Miss's head coach against the Bulldogs? I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he did. Man, he like has he, he has uh, he has the number here, man. <laughs> he has Ben Allen's like, number. I think it's eight of nine right now. Was, where that series He's crushing that. it. <laughs> he is crushing the in-state battle. That's the that one is thing not the reason why he on. got fired. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Beating Mississippi State was not a problem for Andy Kennedy. Yeah, and and it'll be it'll be a fun. I'm sure it'll be a fun atmosphere on Saturday. Have to make sure to ask Andy how he'll remember Starkville. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to that answer. <laughs> That would be that. That would be a, a great press conference. I, I I wonder what it will be like at Humphrey Coliseum for that game. I know what it will be like if Mississippi State beats Vanderbilt Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Excuse me, on the road. It will be packed. I think, and it will be the first time. I think it will probably be packed regardless because it's Old Miss, but. 
it'll be a wild atmosphere for the first time all season if they win that game against Vanderbilt. And I'll tell you why. They got six games left, counting that road game I just mentioned. They need to win, I would say, at least four of their remaining six to have even a shot at making the NCAA tournament, but probably five. And I'd go almost as far as say most likely five and, and probably not four, but I'm just going to say that four gives them a decent chance depending on how things shake out in the SEC tournament. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Ken Palm's not giving them any chance. He's got them going uh, two and four down the stretch. Yeah, that's with a what a one point loss at Vanderbilt. That's projected. Yeah, that that's a game that can go either way though. With that, that said, it, it must be fifty fifty. I don't have it in front of me, so if you do, uh, please do share. But forty eight percent. Yeah, so that's a toss up game, man. That's a that's a coin flip game. Just the way that Mississippi State's playing, I'm betting on. I would bet on Mississippi State for that game. Wouldn't you? I mean, am I? Am yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, if they if they. I think if they played how they did the home the home court advantage too much <laughs> in that one. I'm not I'm not about pl- that. The way Ken Pond <laughs> judges on home court. Like, come on, on a Tuesday night, you're really gonna tell me that that place is gonna be packed. <laughs> um, if they played <laughs> if they played like they did against Missouri, they should beat Vandy. Oh yeah. I mean if they played the way they did against Missouri in the second half, they they could beat anybody. Obviously, Maybe not anybody, but they, they, they can win some games. He has he has them losing to LSU in the final game of the season, too. Only a 38% chance of winning. Um, so, you know, he's a Mississippi State doubter. Yeah, like I said, I mean, he, he – um, the percentages are just – it's just he's not – they don't weigh too highly for teams on the road in any – in really any circumstances unless you're that much better. So – I'm not too surprised by that. But, you know, Mississippi State wins against Vanderbilt. That gets them to seven wins in the conference. Back a game over 500 if that happens. They should beat Ole Miss. So that's two games out of the six. A&M is going to be a loss. (laughs) (laughs) Ole Miss almost won won there, man. You never know. A&M is going to be a loss. Uh, (laughs) South Carolina will be a win for Mississippi State. And if by then they had done what I just said they would do and win those three games out of those four, I would have them beating Tennessee and Starkville, believe it or not. So, and then LSU, if, if I have them beating Tennessee, I'm going to have them beating LSU on the road. So all that to say, I'm, I'm, bu- I'm buying the Bulldogs right now. I am buying you're them. High on, you're high on Mississippi State. Who knew? It, it must be the trip that I took with them. It changed my world. Uh, four days in uh, not paradise. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you like Columbia? Uh, I mean, like, it was really like how I liked the charter bus because that's where <laughs> I spent ten hours. How'd I? How'd I like driving alongside? Uh, how'd I like sitting next to Mitchell Storm and Drew Davis, <laughs> two of the best walk-on players in the SEC? What did you learn during that trip, during those four days of Mississippi State? Um, probably just a better respect for not just Mississippi State but any team and the amount of work that goes into the preparation for a game. 
Because that's the thing. It's like I was there for all those hours for a four-day stretch. Those dudes had to do that again the next day and <laughs> do the same exact thing. I went home. <laughs> I went home. I called it quits. I, I, I told Drew Davis that if I was on that team, I would have quit a long time ago. I ain't doing this. I'm not doing this every, every other day for, for all these games. You're out of your mind doing this. So I, I have so much more respect. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I ha- didn't have respect or I didn't have a good idea of what went into it. But it's just different when you see it up close and you see, okay, Sunday was their, quote, off day, unquote, and they spent it on the bus going home. So they didn't have an off day. And these guys weren't getting paid for this. They're just on scholarship. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what anybody says about the value of education, please. Um, So, yeah, I mean, all this time that goes into it and you're not really getting paid at all. So, yeah, tough job. That's not a job, but I don't envy the lifestyle, that's for sure. Obviously, it's was, worth it in the long run if you're that good. And there's something to be said about being on a team in your life. That's a really cool experience. But, man, I'm just – yeah, I, I think that my biggest takeaway, though, was just I didn't really know much about the team. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to say that because you feel like, oh, I know the team. I cover this team all the time. You don't know anything, you know. Yeah, like, we don't. We don't really don't know. know them. You don't really know. Like you don't know like who who hangs out with who, who talks to who, how the head coach interacts with his players. You don't know any of that. You you just know what they give you, and yeah. then you pass it along to the people. So that part was really cool to sort of understand. Okay, this is this is the group of friends. You know, these are the people who are really tight with each other. This kid doesn't have any friends. You know. Like, <laughs> Like that sort of thing. Like this guy's working hard. This guy's out of shape. This guy can't compete in practice. You know, it's just crazy how 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 all the little all those little things offer this bigger picture. And my my other takeaway on it was just this team really believes it has a shot. Like they really think that they can make the tournament. And. I was just I was kind of like saying in jest about buying buying their chances. I wouldn't buy their chances. <laughs> you know like like I'm looking at it game by game and I and you know you could say like yeah they'll win this game they'll win that game. At the end of the day the odds are still so stacked against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that's because of the non-conference schedule they played. So it is what it is. But this team believes it has a shot and that was kind of cool to see too because you don't know like what the mentality is on a team either when you're so far away and you're only there in press conferences and game situations and you know the random happenstance meeting in the hallway or something like that like otherwise you're just not there enough and so the access was really cool and yeah i just learned a lot about the inner workings of a team outside of the bubble because right now they are first four out according to uh, CBS, and they're kind of like right there too for ESPN's rankings as well. It'll be an interesting week ahead. It yeah, always is. What happens. It always is. And while we end this podcast, podcast, excuse me, I'm going to suggest that we're going to talk about some women's basketball next go-around. 
So hopefully that doesn't mean like Vic Schaefer has stepped down or, you know, something wild has or, happened. Or I mean, I, I say hopefully, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. The crazy stuff happens. But I'm saying hopefully just to say that I'm not wishing any sort of uh, <laughs> controversy to happen, of course, uh, to anybody. But with that, we'll, we'll end it right there. Uh, for Antonio Morales, this was Will Sabin. Thanks for listening to All About That Egg. You can catch this podcast on clarinledger.com where we post it. We post every episode weekly. And we also have it up on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast. Thanks again, guys, for listening.